Chapter Three of Wild Animals I Have Known by Ernest Thompson Seaton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter Three: Raggylug, the story of a cottontail rabbit. Raggylug, or Rag, was the name of a young cottontail rabbit. It was given him from his torn and ragged ear, a life mark that he got in his first adventure. He lived with his mother in Oliphant Swamp, where I made their acquaintance and gathered, in a hundred different ways, the little bits of proof and scraps of truth that at length enabled me to write this history. Those who do not know the animals well may think I have humanized them, but those who have lived so near them as to know somewhat of their ways and their minds will not think so. Truly rabbits have no speech as we understand it, but they have a way of conveying ideas by a system of sounds, signs, scents, whisker touches, movements, and example that answers the purpose of speech, and it must be remembered that though in telling this story I freely translate from rabbit into English, I repeat nothing they did not say. The rank swamp grass bent over and concealed the snug nest where Raggy Lug's mother had hidden him. She had partly covered him with some of the bedding, and as always, her last warning was to lie low and say nothing, whatever happened. Though tucked in bed, he was wide awake, and his bright eyes were taking in that part of his little green world that was straight above. A blue jay and a red squirrel, two notorious thieves, were loudly berating each other for stealing, and at one time Rag's home bush was the center of their fight. A yellow warbler caught a blue butterfly, but six inches from his nose, and a scarlet and black ladybug, serenely waving her knobbed feelers, took a long walk, up one grass blade, down another, and across the nest, and over Rag's face, and yet he never moved, nor even winked. After a while he heard a strange rustling of the leaves in the near thicket. It was an odd, continuous sound, and though it went this way and that way, and came ever nearer, there was no patter of feet with it. Rag had lived his whole life in the swamp. He was three weeks old, and yet had never heard anything like this. Of course, his curiosity was greatly aroused. His mother had cautioned him to lie low, but that was understood to be in case of danger, and this strange sound without footfalls could not be anything to fear. The low rasping went past close at hand, then to the right, then back, and seemed going away. Rag felt he knew what he was about. He wasn't a baby. It was his duty to learn what it was. He slowly raised his roly-poly body on his short, fluffy legs, lifted his little round head above the covering of his nest, and peeped out into the woods. The sound had ceased as soon as he moved. He saw nothing, so took one step forward to a clear view, and instantly found himself face to face with an enormous black serpent. "'Mammy!' he screamed in mortal terror as the monster darted at him. With all the strength of his tiny limbs he tried to run but in a flash the snake had him by one ear and whipped around him with his coils to gloat over the helpless little baby bunny he had secured for dinner mammy mammy gasped poor little raggy lug as the cruel monster began slowly choking him to death very soon the little one's cry would have ceased but bounding through the wood straight as an arrow came mammy no longer a shy helpless little molly cottontail ready to fly from a shadow the mother's love was strong in her the cry of her baby had filled her with the courage of a hero, and hop, she went over that horrible reptile. Whack! She struck down at him, with her sharp hind claws as she passed, giving him such a stinging blow that he squirmed with pain and hissed with anger. "'Mammy!' came feebly from the little one. And Mammy came leaping again and again and struck harder and fiercer until the loathsome reptile let go the little one's ear and tried to bite the old one as she leaped over but all he got was a mouthful of wool each time and molly's fierce blows began to tell 
as long bloody rips were torn in the black snake's scaly armor things were now looking bad for the snake and bracing himself for the next charge he lost his tight hold on baby bunny who at once wriggled out of the coils and away into the underbrush breathless and terribly frightened but unhurt save that his left ear was much torn by the teeth of that dreadful serpent molly had now gained all she wanted she had no notion of fighting for glory or revenge away she went into the woods and the little one followed the shining beacon of her snow-white tail until she led him to a safe corner of the swamp old oliphant swamp was a rough brambly tract of second-growth woods with a marshy pond and a stream through the middle a few ragged remnants of the old forest still stood in it and a few of the still older trunks were lying about as dead logs in the brushwood the land about the pond was of that willow-grown sedgy kind that cats and horses avoid but that cattle do not fear the drier zones were overgrown with briars and young trees the outermost belt of all that next the fields was of thrifty gummy-trunked young pines whose living needles in the air and dead ones on earth offer so delicious an odor to the nostrils of the passer-by and so deadly a breath to those seedlings that would compete with them for the worthless waste they grow on all around for a long way were smooth fields and the only wild tracks that ever crossed these fields were those of a thoroughly bad and unscrupulous fox that lived only too near the chief indwellers of the swamp were molly and rag their nearest neighbors were far away and their nearest kin were dead this was their home and here they lived together and here rag received the training that made his success in life molly was a good little mother and gave him a careful bringing up the first thing he learned was to lie low and say nothing his adventure with the snake taught him the wisdom of this rag never forgot that lesson afterward he did as he was told and it made other things come more easily the second lesson he learned was freeze it grows out of the first and rag was taught it as soon as he could run freezing is simply doing nothing turning into a statue as soon as he finds a foe near no matter what he is doing a well-trained cottontail keeps just as he is and stops all movement for the creatures of the woods who are of the same color as the things in the woods catch the eye only while moving so when enemies chance together the one who first sees the other can keep himself unseen by freezing and thus have all the advantage of choosing the time for attack or escape only those who live in the woods know the importance of this every wild creature and every hunter must learn it all learn to do it well but not one of them can beat molly cottontail in the doing rag's mother taught him this trick by example when the white cotton cushion that she always carried to sit on went bobbing away through the woods of course rag ran his hardest to keep up but when molly stopped and froze the natural wish to copy made him do the same but the best lesson of all that rag learned from his mother was the secret of the briar brush it is a very old secret now and to make it plain you must first hear why the briarbrush quarreled with the beasts long ago the roses used to grow on bushes that had no thorns but the squirrels and mice used to climb after them and cattle used to knock them off with their horns the possum would twitch them off with his long tail and the deer with his sharp hooves would break them down so the briarbush armed itself with spikes to protect its roses and declared eternal war on all the creatures that climbed trees or had horns or hooves or long tails this left the briar-brush at peace with none but molly cottontail who could not climb was hornless hoofless and had scarcely any tail at all in truth the cottontail had never harmed a briar-rose having now so many enemies the rose took the rabbit into especial friendship and when dangers are threatening poor bunny he flies to the nearest briar-brush certain that it is ready with a million keen and poisoned daggers to defend him so the secret that rag learned from his mother was the briar-brush is your friend much of the time that season was spent in learning the lay of the land and the bramble and briar mazes and rag learned them so well that he could go all around the swamp by two different ways and never leave the friendly briars at any place for more than five hops 
it is not long since the foes of the cottontails were disgusted to find that man had brought a new kind of bramble and planted it in long lines throughout the country it was so strong that no creatures could break it down and so sharp that the toughest skin was torn by it each year there was more of it and each year it became a more serious matter to the wild creatures but molly cottontail had no fear of it she was not brought up in the briars for nothing dogs and foxes cattle and sheep and even man himself might be torn by those fearful spikes but molly understands it and lives and thrives under it and the further it spreads the more safe country there is for the cottontail and the name of this new and dreaded bramble is the barbed wire fence molly had no other children to look after now so rag had all her care he was unusually quick and bright as well as strong and he had uncommonly good chances so he got on remarkably well all the season she kept him busy learning the tricks of the trail and what to eat and drink and what not to touch day by day she worked to train him little by little she taught him putting into his mind hundreds of ideas that her own life or early training had stored in hers and so equipped him with the knowledge that makes life possible to their kind close by her side in the clover field or in the thicket he would sit and copy her when she wobbled her nose to keep her smeller clear and pull the bite from her mouth or taste her lips to make sure he was getting the same kind of fodder still copying her he learned to comb his ears with his claws and to dress his coat and bite the burrs out of his vest and socks he learned too that nothing but clear dewdrops from the briars were fit for a rabbit to drink as water which has once touched the earth must surely bear some taint thus he began the study of woodcraft the oldest of all sciences as soon as rag was big enough to go out alone his mother taught him the signal code rabbits telegraph each other by thumping on the ground with their hind feet along the ground sound carries far a thump that at six feet from the earth is not heard twenty yards will near the ground be heard at least one hundred yards rabbits have very keen hearing and so might hear this same thump at two hundred yards and that would reach from end to end of oliphant swamp a single thump means look out or freeze a slow thump thump means come a fast thump thump means danger and a very fast thump 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 means run for dear life at another time when the weather was fine and the blue jays were quarreling among themselves a sure sign that no dangerous foe was about rag began a new study molly by flattening her ears gave the sign to squat then she ran far away in the thicket and gave the thumping signal for come rag set out at a run to the place but could not find molly he thumped but got no reply setting carefully about his search he found her foot scent and following this strange guide that the beasts all know so well and man does not know at all he worked out the trail and found her where she was hidden thus he got his first lesson in trailing and thus it was that the games of hide-and-seek they played became the schooling for the serious chase of which there was so much in his after-life before that first season of schooling was over he had learnt all the principal tricks by which a rabbit lives and in not a few problems showed himself a veritable genius he was an adept at tree dodge and squat he could play log lump with wind and balk with back track so well that he scarcely needed any other tricks he had not yet tried it but he knew just how to play barbed wire which is a new trick of the brilliant order he had made a special study of sand which burns up all scent and was deeply versed in change off fence and double as well as hole up which is a trick requiring longer notice and yet he never forgot that lie low is the beginning of all wisdom and briar brush the only trick that is always safe he was taught the signs by which to know all his foes and then the way to baffle them for hawks owls foxes hounds curs minks weasels cats skunks coons and men each have a different plan of pursuit and for each and all of these evils he was taught a remedy and for knowledge of the enemy's approach he learnt to depend first on himself and his mother and then on the blue jay never neglect the blue jay's warning said molly 
He is a mischief-maker, a marplot, and a thief all the time, but nothing escapes him. He wouldn't mind harming us, but he cannot, thanks to the briars, and his enemies are ours, so it is well to heed him. If the woodpecker cries a warning, you can trust him, he is honest. But he is a fool beside the blue jay, and though the blue jay often tells lies for mischief, you are safe to believe him when he brings ill news. The barbed-wire trick takes a deal of nerve and the best of legs. It was long before Bragg ventured to play it, but as he came to his full powers it became one of his favorites. "'It's fine play for those who can do it,' said Molly. First, you lead off your dog on a straightaway and warm him up a bit by nearly letting him catch you. Then, keeping just one hop ahead, you lead him at a long slant, full tilt, into a breast-high barbed wire. I've seen many a dog and fox crippled, and one big hound killed outright this way. But I've also seen more than one rabbit lose his life in trying it. Rag early learnt what some rabbits never learn at all. That hole-up is not such a fine ruse as it seems. It may be the certain safety of a wise rabbit, but soon or late it is a sure death-trap to a fool a young rabbit always thinks of it first an old rabbit never tries it till all others fail it means escape from a man or dog a fox or bird of prey but it means sudden death if the foe is a ferret mink skunk or weasel there were but two ground holes in the swamp one on the sunning bank which was a dry sheltered knoll in the south end it was open and sloping to the sun and here on fine days the cottontails took their sun baths they stretched out among the fragrant pine needles and winter green in odd cat-like positions and turned slowly over as though roasting and wishing all sides well done and they blinked and panted and squirmed as if in dreadful pain yet this was one of the keenest enjoyments they knew just over the brow of the knoll was a large pine stump its grotesque roots wiggled out above the yellow sand bank like dragons and under their protecting claws a skulky old woodchuck had digged a den long ago he became more sour and ill-tempered as weeks went by and one day waited to quarrel with oliphant's dog instead of going in so that molly cottontail was able to take possession of the den an hour later thus the pine root hole was afterward very coolly taken by a self-sufficient young skunk who with less valor might have enjoyed greater longevity for he imagined that even man with a gun would fly from him instead of keeping molly from the dead for good therefore his reign like that of a certain hebrew king was over in seven days the other, the fern hole, was in a fern thicket next the clover field. It was small and damp and useless except as a last retreat. It also was the work of a woodchuck, a well-meaning friendly neighbor, but a harebrained youngster whose skin in the form of a whiplash was now developing higher horsepower in the Oliphant working team. Simple justice, said the old man, for that hide was raised on stolen feed that the team would have turned into horsepower anyway. The cottontails were now sole owners of the holes, and did not go near them when they could help it, lest anything like a path should be made that might betray these last retreats to an enemy. There was also the hollow hickory, which, although nearly fallen, was still green, and had the great advantage of being open at both ends. This had long been the residence of one Lotor, a solitary old coon whose ostensible calling was frog-hunting, and who, like the monks of old, was supposed to abstain from all flesh-food. But it was shrewdly suspected that he needed but a chance to indulge in a diet of rabbit. When at last one dark night he was killed while raiding Oliphant's hen-house, Molly, so far from feeling a pang of regret, took possession of his cozy nest with a sense of unbounded relief. Bright August sunlight was flooding the swamp in the morning. Everything seemed soaking in the warm radiance. A little brown swamp sparrow was teetering in a long rush in the pond. Beneath him were open spaces of dirty water that brought down a few scraps of the blue sky and worked it and the yellow duckweed into an exquisite mosaic, with a little wrong-side picture of the bird in the middle. On the bank behind was a great vigorous growth of golden-green skunk cabbage that cast dense shadow over the brown swamp tussocks. 
the eyes of the swamp sparrow were not trained to take in the color glories but he saw what we might have missed that two of the numberless leafy brown bumps under the broad cabbage leaves were furry living things with noses that never ceased to move up and down whatever else was still it was molly and rag they were stretched under the skunk cabbage not because they liked its rank smell but because the winged ticks could not stand it at all and so left them in peace rabbits have no set time for lessons they are always learning but what the lesson is depends on the present stress and that must arrive before it is known they went to this place for a quiet rest but had not been there long when suddenly a warning note from the ever watchful blue jay caused molly's nose and ears to go up and her tail to tighten to her back away across the swamp was oliphant's big black and white dog coming straight toward them now said molly squat while i go and keep that fool out of mischief away she went to meet him and she fearlessly dashed across the dog's path bow wow wow he fairly yelled as he bounded after molly but she kept just beyond his reach and led him where the million daggers struck fast and deep till his tender eyes were scratched raw and guided him at last plump into a hidden barbed wire fence where he got such a gashing that he went homeward howling with pain after making a short double a loop and a bulk in case the dog should come back molly returned to find that rag in his eagerness was standing bolt upright and craning his neck to see the sport this disobedience made her so angry that she struck him with her hind foot and knocked him over in the mud one day as they fed on the near clover field a red-tailed hawk came swooping after them molly kicked up her hind legs to make fun of him and skipped into the briars along one of their old pathways where of course the hawk could not follow it was the main path from the creekside thicket to the stove-pipe brush pile several creepers had grown across it and molly keeping one eye on the hawk set to work and cut the creepers off rag watched her then ran on ahead and cut some more that were across the path that's right said molly always keep the runways clear and you will need them often enough not wide but clear cut everything like a creeper across them and some day you will find you have cut a snare a uh, what asked rag as he scratched his right ear with his left hind foot a snare is something that looks like a creeper but doesn't grow and it's worse than all the hawks in the world said molly glancing at the now far away red tail for there it hides night and day in the runway till the chance to catch you comes i don't believe it could catch me said rag with a pride of youth as he rose on his heels to rub his chin and whiskers high up on a smooth sapling rag did not know he was doing this but his mother saw and knew it was a sign like the changing of a boy's voice that her little one was no longer baby but would soon be a grown-up cottontail there is magic in running water who does not know it and feel it the railroad builder fearlessly throws his bank across the wide bog or lake or the sea itself but the tiniest nil of running water he treats with great respect studies its wish and its way and gives it all it seems to ask the thirst parched traveller in the poisonous alkali deserts holds back in deadly fear from the sedgy ponds till he finds one down whose centre is a thin clear line and a faint flow the sign of running living water and joyfully he drinks there is magic in running water no evil spell can cross it tam o'shanter proved its potency in time of sorest needs the wild wood creature with its deadly foe following tireless on the trail scent realizes its nearing doom and feels an awful spell its strength is spent its every trick is tried in vain till the good angel leads it to the water the running living water and dashing in it follows the cooling stream and then with force renewed takes to the woods again there is magic in running water the hounds come to the very spot and halt and cast about and halt and cast in vain their spell is broken by the merry stream and the wild thing lives its life and this was one of the great secrets that raggy lug learned from his mother after the briar rose the water is your friend one hot muggy night in august molly led rag through the woods the cotton white cushion she wore under her tail twinkled ahead and was his guiding lantern 
though it went out as soon as she sopped and sat on it. After a few runs and stops to listen, they came to the edge of the pond. The hylas in the trees above them were singing sleep, sleep, and away out on a sunken log in the deep water, up to his chin in the cooling bath, a bloated bullfrog was singing the praises of a jug of rum. Follow me still, said Molly and Rabbit, and flop, she went into the pond and struck out for the sunken log in the middle. Rag flinched but plunged with a little ouch, gasping and wobbling his nose very fast, but still copying his mother. The same movements as on land sent him through the water, and thus he found he could swim. On he went till he reached the sunken log and scrambled up by his dripping mother on the high, dry end, with a rushy screen around them, and the water that tells no tales. After this, on warm black nights, when that old fox from Springfield came prowling through the swamp, Rag would note the place of the bullfrog's voice, for in case of direst need it might be a guide to safety. And thenceforth the word of the song that the bullfrog sang were, Come, come, in danger come. This was the latest study that Rag took up with his mother. It was really a postgraduate course, for many little rabbits never learn it at all. No wild animal dies of old age. Its life has soon or late a tragic end. It is only a question of how long it can hold out against its foes. But Rag's life was proof that once a rabbit passes out of his youth, he is likely to outlive his prime and be killed only in the last third of life, the downhill third we call old age. The Cottontails had enemies on every side. Their daily life was a series of escapes. For dogs, foxes, cats, skunks, coons, weasels, minks, snakes, hawks, owls, and men, and even insects were all plotting to kill them. They had hundreds of adventures, and at least once a day they had to fly for their lives and save themselves by their legs and wits. More than once that hateful fox from Springfield drove them to taking refuge under the wreck of a barbed wire hog pen by the spring, but once there they could look calmly at him while he spiked his legs in vain attempts to reach them. Once or twice when Rag had hunted, had played off the hound against a skunk, and that had seemed likely to be quite as dangerous as the dog. Once he was caught alive by a hunter who had a hound and a ferret to help him but rag had the luck to escape the next day with yet a deeper distrust of the ground holes he was several times run into the water by the cat and many times was chased by hawks and owls but for each kind of danger there was a safeguard his mother had taught him the principal dodges and he improved on them and made many new ones as he grew older and the older and wiser he grew the less he trusted to his legs and the more to his wits for safety ranger was the name of a young hound in the neighborhood to train him his master used to put him on the trail of one of the cottontails it was nearly always rag that they ran, for the young buck enjoyed the runs as much as they did, the spice of danger in them being just enough for zest. He would say, "'Oh, mother, here comes the dog again. I must have a run to-day.' "'You are too bold, Raggy, my son,' she might reply. "'I fear you will run once too often.' "'But, mother, it is such glorious fun to tease that fool dog, and it's all good training. I'll thump if I am too hard-pressed. Then you can come and change off while I get my second wind.' On he would come, and Ranger would take the trail and follow till Rag got tired of it. Then he either sent a thumping telegram for help, which brought Molly to take charge of the dog, or he got rid of the dog by some clever trick. A description of one of these shows how well Rag had learned the arts of the woods. He knew that his scent lay best near the ground, and was strongest when he was warm. So if he could get off the ground and be left in peace for half hour to cool off, and for the trail to stale, he knew he would be safe. When, therefore, he tired of the chase, he made for the creekside briar patch, where he wound, that is zigzagged till he left a course so crooked that the dog was sure to be greatly delayed in working it out then he went straight to d in the woods passing one hop to windward of the high log e stopping at d he followed his back trail to f here he leaped aside and ran toward g then returning on his trail to j he waited till the hound passed on his trail at i 
Bragg then got back on his old trail at H, Anti followed it to E, where, with a scent bulk or great leap aside, he reached the high log, and running to its higher end he sat like a bump. Ranger lost so much time in the bramble maze, and the scent was very poor when he got it straightened out and came to D. Here he began to circle to pick it up, and after losing much time, struck the trail, which ended suddenly at G. Again he was at fault and had to circle to find the trail. Wider and wider circles until at last he passed right under the log Rag was on. But a cold scent, on a cold day, does not go downward much. Rag never budged, nor winked, and the hound passed. Again the dog came around. This time he crossed the low part of the log and stopped to smell it. Yes, clearly it was rabbity, but it was a stale scent now. Still, he mounted the log. It was a trying moment for Rag, as the great hound came sniff-sniffing along the log. But his nerve did not forsake him. The wind was right. He had his mind made up to bolt as soon as Ranger came halfway up. But he didn't come. A yellow cur would have seen the rabbit sitting there, but the hound did not, and the scent seemed stale, so he leaped off the log, and Rag had won. Rag had never seen any other rabbit than his mother. Indeed, he had scarcely thought about there being any other. He was more and more away from her now, and yet he never felt lonely, for rabbits do not hanker for company. But one day in December, while he was among the red dogwood brush, cutting a new path to the great creekside thicket, he saw all at once against the sky over the sunning bank the head and ears of a strange rabbit. The newcomer had the air of a well-pleased discoverer, and soon came hopping Rag's way along one of his paths into his swamp. A new feeling rushed over him, that boiling mixture of anger and hatred called jealousy. The stranger stopped at one of Rag's rubbing trees that is, a tree against which he used to stand on his heels and rub his chin as far up as he could reach. He thought he did this simply because he liked it, but all buck-rabbits do so, and several ends are served. It makes the tree rabbity, so that other rabbits know that this swamp already belongs to a rabbit family and is not open for settlement. It also lets the next one know by the scent if the last caller was an acquaintance, and the height from the ground of the rubbing places show how tall the rabbit is. Now, to his disgust, Rag noticed that the newcomer was a head taller than himself, and a big, stout buck at that. This was a wholly new experience, and filled Rag with a wholly new feeling. The spirit of murder entered his heart. He chewed very hard at nothing in his mouth, and hopping forward onto a smooth piece of hard ground, he struck slowly. Thump! 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 Which is a rabbit telegram for get out of my swamp or fight. The newcomer made a big V with his ears, sat upright for a few seconds, then dropping his forefeet, sent along the ground a louder, stronger, thump, thump, thump. And so war was declared. They came together by short runs sidewise, each one trying to get the wind of the other and watching for a chance advantage. The stranger was a big heavy buck with plenty of muscle, but one or two trifles, such as treading on a turnover and failing to close when Rag was on low ground, showed that he had not much cunning and counted on winning his battles by his weight. On he came at last, and Rag met him like a little fury. As they came together, they leaped up and struck out with their hind feet. Thud, thud, they came, and down went poor little Rag. In a moment, the stranger was on him with his teeth, and Rag was bitten, and lost several tufts of hair before he could get up. But he was swift of foot, and got out of reach. Again he charged, and again he was knocked down and bitten severely. He was no match for his foe, and it soon became a question of saving his own life. Hurt as he was, he sprang away, with the stranger in full chase, and bound to kill him as well as to oust him from the swamp where he was born. Rag's legs were good, and so was his wind. The stranger was big and so heavy that he soon gave up the chase, and it was well for poor Rag that he did, for he was getting stiff from his wounds as well as tired. From that day began a reign of terror for Rag. His training had been against owls, dogs, weasels, men, and so on. 
but what to do when chased by another rabbit he did not know all he knew was to lie low till he was found then run poor little molly was completely terrorized she could not help rag and sought only to hide but the big buck soon found her out she tried to run from him but she was not now so swift as rag the stranger made no attempt to kill her but he made love to her and because she hated him and tried to get away he treated her shamefully day after day he worried her by following her about and often furious at her lasting hatred he would knock her down and tear out mouthfuls of her soft fur till his rage cooled somewhat when he would let her go for a while but his fixed purpose was to kill rag whose escape seemed hopeless there was no other swamp he could go to and whenever he took a nap he had to be ready at any moment to dash for his life a dozen times a day the big stranger came creeping up to where he slept but each time the watchful rag awoke in time to escape to escape yet not to escape he saved his life indeed but oh what a miserable life it had become how maddening to be thus helpless to see his little mother daily beaten and torn as well as to see his favorite feeding grounds the cozy nooks and the pathways he had made with so much labor forced from him by this hateful brute unhappy rag realized that to the victor belonged the spoils and he hated him more than he did fox or ferret how was it to end he was wearing out with running and watching and bad food and little molly's strength and spirit were breaking down under the long persecution the stranger was ready to go to all lengths to destroy poor rag and at last stooped to the worst crime known among rabbits however much they may hate each other all good rabbits forget their feuds when their common enemy appears yet one day when a great goshawk came swooping over the swamp the stranger keeping well under cover himself tried again and again to drive rag into the open once or twice the hawk nearly had him but still the briar saved him and it was only when the big buck himself came near being caught that he gave it up and again rag escaped but was no better off he made up his mind to leave with his mother if possible next night and go into the world in quest of some new home when he heard old thunder the hound sniffing and searching about the outskirts of the swamp and he resolved on playing a desperate game he deliberately crossed the hound's view and the chase that then began was fast and furious thrice around the swamp they went till rag had made sure that his mother was hidden safely and that his hated foe was in his usual nest then right into that nest and plump over him he jumped giving him a rap with one hind foot as he passed over his head you miserable fool i'll kill you yet cried the stranger and he jumped only to find himself between rag and the dog an heir to all the perils of the chase on came the hound baying hotly on the straightaway scent the buck's weight and size were great advantages in a rabbit fight but now they were fatal he did not know many tricks just the simple ones like double wind and hole up that every baby bunny knows but the chase was too close for doubling and winding and he didn't know where the holes were it was a straight race the briar rose kind all rabbits alike did its best but it was no use the baying of the hound was fast and steady the crashing of the brush and the yelping of the hound each time the briars tore his tender ears were borne to the two rabbits where they crouched in hiding but suddenly these sounds stopped there was a scuffle then loud and terrible screaming rag knew what it meant and it sent a shiver through him but he soon forgot that when all was over and rejoiced to be once more master of the dear old swamp old oliphant had doubtless a right to burn all those brush piles in the east and south of the swamp and to clear up the wreck of the old barbed wire hog pen just below the spring but it was none the less hard on rag and his mother the first were their various residences and outposts and the second their grand fastness and safe retreat they had so long held the swamp and felt it to be their own in every part and suburb including oliphant's grounds and buildings that they would have resented the appearance of another rabbit even about the joining barnyard their claim that of long successful occupancy was exactly the same as that by which most nations hold their land and it would be hard to find a better right 
during the time of the january thaw the oliphants had cut the rest of the large wood about the pond and curtailed the cottontails domain on all sides but they still clung to the dwindling swamp for it was their home and they were loath to move to foreign parts their life of daily peril went on but they were still fleet of foot long of wind and bright of wit of late they had been somewhat troubled by a mink that had wandered upstream to their quiet nook a little judicious guidance had transferred the uncomfortable visitor to oliphant's hen-house but they were not yet quite sure that he had been properly looked after so for the present they gave up using the ground holes which were of course dangerous blind alleys and stuck closer than ever to the briars and the brush piles that were left that first snow had quite gone and the weather was bright and warm until now molly feeling a touch of rheumatism was somewhere in the lower thicket seeking a tea-berry tonic rag was sitting in the weak sunlight on a bank on the east side the smoke from the familiar gable chimney of oliphant's house came fitfully drifting a pale blue haze through the underwoods and showing as a dull brown against the brightness of the sky the sunlit gable was cut off midway by the banks of the briar bush that purple in shadow shone like rods of blazing crimson and gold in the light beyond the house the barn with its gable and roof new gift at the house stood up like a noah's ark the sounds that came from it and yet more the delicious smell that mingled with the smoke told rag that the animals were being fed cabbage in the yard rag's mouth watered at the idea of a feast he blinked and blinked as he snuffed its odorous promises for he loved cabbage dearly but then he had been to the barnyard the night before after a few paltry clover tops and no wise rabbit would go two nights running to the same place therefore he did the wise thing he moved across where he could not smell the cabbage and made his supper a bundle of hay that had been blown from the stack later when about to settle for the night he was joined by molly who had taken her tea berry and then eaten her frugal meal of sweet birch near the sunning bank meanwhile the sun had gone about his business elsewhere taking all his gold and glory with him off in the east a big black shutter came pushing up and rising higher and higher it spread over the whole sky shut out all light and left the world a very gloomy place indeed then another mischief-maker the wind taking advantage of the sun's absence came on the scene and set about brewing trouble the weather turned colder and colder it seemed worse than when the ground had been covered with snow isn't this terribly cold how i wish we had our stove-pipe brush-pile said rag a good night for the pine-root hole replied molly but we have not yet seen the pelt of that mink on the end of the barn and it is not safe till we do the hollow hickory was gone in fact at this very moment its trunk lying in the wood-yard was harboring the mink they feared so the cottontails hopped to the south side of the pond and choosing a brush-pile they crept under and snuggled down for the night facing the wind but with their noses in different directions so as to go out different ways in case of alarm the wind blew harder and colder as the hours went by and about midnight a fine icy snow came ticking down on the dead leaves and hissing through the brush heap it might seem a poor night for hunting but that old fox from springfield was out he came pointing up the wind in the shelter of the swamp and chanced in the lee of the brush pile where he scented the sleeping cottontails he halted for a moment then came stealthily sneaking up toward the brush under which his nose told him the rabbits were crouching the noise of the wind and the sleet enabled him to come quite close before molly heard the faint crunch of a dry leaf under his paw she touched rag's whiskers and both were fully awake just as the fox sprang on them but they always slept with their legs ready for a jump molly darted out into the blinding storm the fox missed his spring but followed like a racer while rag dashed off to one side there was only one road for molly that was straight up the wind and bounding for her life she gained a little over the unfrozen mud that would not carry the fox till she reached the margin of the pond no chance to turn now on she must go splash splash through the weeds she went then plunge into the deep water and plunge with the fox close behind but it was too much for reynard on such a night 
He turned back, and Molly, seeing only one course, struggled through the reeds into the deep water and struck out for the other shore. But there was a strong headwind. The little waves, icy cold, broke over her head and she swam, and the water was full of snow that blocked her way like soft ice or floating mud. The dark line of the other shore seemed far, far away, with perhaps the fox waiting for her there. But she laid her ears flat to be out of the gale, and bravely put forth all her strength, with wind and tide against her. After a long, weary swim in the cold water, she had nearly reached the farther reeds, when a great mass of floating snow barred her road. Then the wind on the bank made strange, fox-like sounds that robbed her of all force, and she was drifted far backward before she could get free from the floating bar. Again she struck out, but slowly, oh so slowly now, and when at last she reached the lee of the tall reeds, her limbs were numb, her strength spent, her brave little heart was sinking, and she cared no more whether the fox were there or not. Through the reeds she did indeed pass, but once in the weeds her course wavered and slowed. Her feeble strokes no longer sent her landward. The ice forming around her stopped her altogether. In a little while the cold, weak limbs ceased to move, the furry nose-tip of the little mother cottontail wobbled no more, and the soft brown eyes were closed in death. But there was no fox waiting to tear her with ravenous jaws. Rag had escaped the first onset of the foe, and as soon as he regained his wits he came running back to the change-off, and so help his mother he met the old fox going round the pond to meet molly and led him far away then dismissed him with a barbed wire gash on his head and came to the bank and sought about and trailed and thumped but all his searching was in vain he could not find his little mother he never saw her again he never knew whither she went for she slept her never waking sleep in the ice arms of her friend the water that tells no tales poor little molly cottontail she was a true heroine yet only one of unnumbered millions that without a thought of heroism have lived and done their best in their little world she died she fought a good fight in the battle of life she was good stuff the stuff that never dies for the flesh of her flesh and the brain of her brain was rag she lives in him and through him transmits a finer fiber to her race and rag still lives in the swamp old oliphant died that winter and the unthrifty sun ceased to clear away the swamp or med the wire fences within a single year it was a wilder place than ever fresh trees and brambles grew and falling wires made many cottontail castles and last retreats that dogs and foxes dared not storm and there to this day lives rag he is a big strong buck now and fears no rivals he has a large family of his own and a pretty brown wife that he got i know not where here no doubt he and his children's children will flourish for many years to come and there you may see them any sunny evening if you have learnt their signal s code and choosing a good spot on the ground know just how and when to thump it End of chapter three